good morning, everybody. My name is Karen A from Jerusalem. And I'm here with young L from the UK. Welcome to the Rico 12 Afro Euro podcast. It is my honor and my pleasure. And of course, my step 12 recovery just for today to be here with you all. I'm going to let Young introduce himself in a minute. Rico 12 um, is a community where people share their experience, strength, and hope in recovery, whether through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous or um, in other 12-step programs like the big book says. We don't have a monopoly on it, but but we sure do, do love our big book recovery. At any rate, uh, you could do your step seven. I'll put the information in the chat about contributing to this meeting. And even more important than that, for the newcomer or for the oldcomer coming back again just for today, you're welcome to share in the Afro-Euro time zone. You can go Google Rico 12 or click on the link that I'll put in the chat shortly. Upload a little share. You could reach out to me. I'll put my number in the chat if you would like to share your recovery and work your 12 steps With the drowning man or the person who's still sick here in our time zone, you can reach out to me. You can record your speak pipe on our RICO 12 website. And of course, you can listen to our amazing library of recovery materials, podcasts, panels, and more. Last thing I'll I'll plug is that likely as soon as next week or perhaps a little bit after that, We're going to do a special Rico 12 mommy cast in the Afro-Euro time zone. Mommies in recovery. And don't take offense, daddies. We'll we'll get you next. Um, We're going to do a mommies in recovery panel with yours truly and a few of our other uh, divas here in the Afro-Euro time zone. So without further ado, Young, thank you so much for being here, um, for being of service, your generosity. Uh, Would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us your story. You got about 20 minutes. I probably won't interrupt you. And then I'll ask some questions and we'll take some questions from our participants that I'll, you know, share with you. I'm a very grateful recovered drug addict and alcoholic. Um, Yeah, the reading I picked or the the bit from the big book, I turned the book open and and what just jumped out on me was, was that phrase from there is a solution on page 28. We in turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of a drowning man, of drowning men rather. And that that, that screamed to me because it was only when I had enough desperation that I was willing to launch myself into this course of action with the desperation of a drowning man, because I was a drowning man. I was someone where drug addiction and alcoholism had led me to many hospitals, psychiatric units, rehabs, burning my life to the ground, and I was a dying man. So where do I get this desperation? Because today I know it's an absolute gift. It was the biggest gift I was given because it was from that desperation that I found what I've always been looking for. God, peace, love, light, joy, sense of purpose, sense of direction, all these things that were so missing from my life. The The best way that I could find to exist was through extensive use of drugs and alcohol and when I when I was gifted that desperation from that comes absolute willingness 
this morning. I'm absolutely willing to go to any lengths for my recovery. I'm absolutely willing to go to any lengths to connect to God, to turn my attention to help someone else. Because I understand my life depends on it. I understand that. Like, before this phrase in the big book, what, what has just happened in the book? We've got uh, a guy called Roland Hazard, very wealthy businessman. Before AA, before the 12 steps, and he goes to live with Carl Jung, the Carl Jung, goes to stay with him for, for, it says a year, it was less according to historical records, but let's not get too anal about it, excuse my language. And after all this time of living with one of the greatest minds of his age in his field, the guy relapses. Because what I understand today through, through my own experience and through working with others and through being around the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and Cocaine Anonymous, I cannot fix my broken mind with a broken mind. There's no man or woman on this earth that can fix what I suffer from. There's no doctor, no psychiatrist, no therapist. And I'm talking about alcoholism and drug addiction. And so he picks up after, after staying with this guy for so long, and then he goes back to him and he says, what can I do? And Carl Jung has a humility to say, you're absolutely hopeless. There's nothing I can do for you. But in, in, in certain occasions, I've heard of these guys having this vital spiritual experience. Now, it's at that moment, I believe, Roland Hazard knows that he's doomed. He knows, he understands that there's nothing human. He's beyond human aid, like I was. And when I, when I truly understand that, I am all into this stuff, this, this spiritual program. I've, I've, I've got off the debate in society. I've, I've stopped trying to work out the unworkoutable because this is, a, this is a spiritual program, not an intellectual one. But yet my ego wants reason. My ego wants logic. My ego wants control. It doesn't want to give up the crown, but yet it needs to. Because what I understand today, this is an ego deflation program. And I see so many guys young women going back out there because the desperation, the gift of desperation doesn't last long, I believe, unless I'm practicing this program in all my affairs, unless I am all in and I'm not doing half measures and, I, and I'm not doing middle of the road solution. I'm doing all the things suggested in the beautiful big book. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example. I work in a 12-step treatment centre in Scarborough in the UK. Now, the guys will pick up the phone and say, look, I'm desperate. I'll do anything like sponsees do when they first ask me to help them. I'll do anything. Are you willing to go to any lunch? Yes, I am. I'll do anything. And after a very short period of time, they can't bring that desperation to mind. So I start moaning about my wife or my husband or this or this. I, I, I cannot see the truth. I cannot see that. I suffer from a life-threatening illness, drug addiction, alcoholism. And this is the strange thing about this illness. I don't know any other illness in the world that will tell me I'm okay. If a doctor says you've got cancer, but if you take these pills, you'll be okay or you'll be able to live a, a good age. My head's not going to say, mm, I don't need to take it today. I feel okay. I feel okay. I'm doing good. And, and, and what stories just come to mind from the big book is, is Fred's story. And when Fred, he comes back out of hospital broken and, and he says, I now... I now remember what the guys from AA told me, how they prophesied that I would drink again. 
But at that moment, when the thought comes into his head to have a drink, he's unable to, to bring that thought into mind. He's unable to remember the desperation that he felt in hospital. Because my mind will lie to me unrecovered. And this is my truth. This is why I launched myself into this program with utter enthusiasm. Well, two reasons. One, because I understand my step one truth. I understand on my own power, relying on myself, I will drink and, and use again. Relying on myself, I'm irritable, I'm, criti I'm critical, I'm judgmental. I'm all those things in abundance. But then the second reason, because what I found over, over the years I've been in this program, the more deeply I go into the spiritual practices, the more joyful I feel. Even when life is becoming, it's coming at me, even when there's challenges. And it says later on in the book, and I've quoted this three times on shares this week. You know, it says it will solve your problem. What problem? I used to think the alcohol problem, the drug problem. No, it will solve my spiritual problem. If I go in with the desperation of a drowning man, I'm not saying, whoa, hold on. I want to know what, what, what's in this. I want, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to read the last bit of that sentence. We, in, in our turn, sought the same escape with all the desperation of a drowning man, of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy read has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given for us. If you prefer a design for living that really works, it does. It did seem a flimsy read for me at first. Basically, you said two things to me when I came in. You said the guys who shouted about the big book, because there was two two lots of guys in the rooms. There was the ones that I'd come in and they'd say it's going to be okay. You've got this, and they'd give me cake and they'd be really kind. And then there was the other ones, and they told me it's not going to be okay. You're going to drink again. You're going to use again. And that, that's my truth because I'm powerless not to. And that was my truth for years and years before I threw myself in to get connected to God or peace or love or light. The word is really not important. It's a word made for man. It's just a word to try and describe the undescribable, the divine that I found deep down within my soul. That was always there. That is the very thing that's making my heart pump right now. I'm not controlling it. I'm not even controlling when I'm breathing. There's a power inside me and I've managed to tap into it today. And once I tap into that power, I see that power in you and I feel it in the wind and I hear it in the, in the birds and I feel connected to all things because I'm going at this with the desperation of a drowning man. A flimsy read. So you said on one hand, you're doomed, young. The people that would, were not scared to hurt my feelings. Thank God they were like that. But then on the other hand, you're telling me my only solution is God or this power that I've never experienced. I don't know anything about. I've never lived a spiritual life. And I'm like, really? Is that what you're telling me? Flimsy read. But actually, it's the most solid thing I've ever discovered in my life to be connected to God, to this power. To understand today that God is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. I cannot do for myself. A new life has been given us, a new life. So much more than not drinking, not using, not doing whatever your problem was. A new life. 
It's all about complete transformation. I'm not the man I was when I crawled through the doors of Cocaine Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. I have been reborn. I've been raised from the dead, raised. I can't do that myself. Something has done something to me. This utter transformation, this complete psychic change, and it all started with my desperation. It all started with me launching myself into this vigorous course of action and I continue the change. I continue the awakening because I, I continue launching myself in. I don't take my foot off the gas. I, 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 I don't never. You know, I had a, a call off a sponsor yesterday and he was um, suffers from anxiety and worry and basically projecting into the future. Because as I said to him, it's in this moment right now where everything is perfect. In this moment, we're on the phone. You're very connected. I'm connected to you. There is no worries. There is no anxiety. There is no fear. And he said to me, I, I said, what does your prayer and meditation life look like? And he told me he just did it in the morning and the afternoon. And I said, what about that huge bit in between? What about that? You, you know, we've got 24 hours in the day. Why would I only pray in the morning and at night? But I understand if you're new in, whew, I'd never prayed before. I, I literally prayed for a minute in the morning, probably less when I was new in, because I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was praying to. Actually, it didn't matter. I didn't need to know. The fact I was doing it means I'm turning away from my direction. And then I can always build upon that. I can build upon this prayer life. I can build upon this meditation life. I can always do more. I love what it says here. So going back to that example. So I said to him, I said, right, what, what I'm going to suggest you do at the end of each night when you're doing your nightly review, write down what your prayer life looked like in the middle of the day. How often did you stop? Did you pause? Because the power is in the pause. The power is in the pause. How often did you acknowledge God? A design for living. I love that. It really works. A design for living. What that means to me today. From seeking out the escape from the what I thought was the unescapable. Because I, I understood at that moment I'm beyond human power. There's nothing a detox is going to do for me apart from remove the symptom of my illness. From, from that desperation, I find a design for living. A design for living. A life... Hmm, I often share this. The last year and a half of my drinking and using, I wanted to kill myself every single day, every single day. I was scared. I was lonely. I was afraid. I was desperate. I was faced with the four horsemen every single day when I woke up, when I opened my eyes, whether that was 6 p.m., 6 a.m., because I lived a very messed up, junky life. I was faced with the four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. And I used to want to die every day. And I wake up today, every single day. Thank you so much, God, for another day. Thank you for this blessing. What have you got for me? I don't know what's going to happen today. It might be challenging. It might be painful. It might be amazing. I'm just like, okay, God, do, do whatever. You know, when I think about the step three plan, I'm saying, you know, God, please rebuild me. I need rebuilding. I'm a broken man. I cannot seem to live life sober and happy on my own power and on my own direction. 
do with me as you will. Do whatever you want with me. That's that's the deal I'm making. And I go and I say, look, if you remove my problems, I will help your children. And this is the design for living I've been given today from a man who was, and I still can be, of course, I'm very flawed. I'm very broken. I was so selfish, so afraid, so angry, so angry about my childhood and getting beat and getting tortured and all these things that happened to me. That was my reality. But this is what's made me the man I am today. So thank you for those experiences. I've forgiven all those people. I've forgiven them. And it reminded me of Cher I listened to last night. Some terrible things happened to that woman. She'd forgiven them. I have to be able to forgive. I, I, it's essential for me so I can get this new design for living where I'm not full of resentment and holding on to the past because that's done. A design for living that works in rough going, it says later on in the book, because life is going to get rough at times. Some things are going to hurt me. I have to have a design for living so that internally I'm solid, so that nothing externally can shake my, my internal spiritual love and spiritual growth, if that's even the right phrase for that. So when I came into the 12-step rooms, many years ago and I didn't stay sober and I didn't stay clean because I didn't follow any directions. I just thought this was a program about going to a lot of meetings and just trying not to drink or use. I didn't understand it was about going through this complete transformation. I didn't understand that there's no end to this. In step 10, it says I've got to continue to watch for resentments, selfishness, fear. Continue means this never ends. And what am I escaping from today? Because I've escaped the drug problem. I've escaped the alcohol problem. Well, if I think about the decision I'm making in step three and I think about the word decision, I think about the word incision to cut away, to cut away the self, because that's my illness. That's my problem. Myself, my self-will, my ego, my ego. Because it's my ego that criticizes you. It's my ego that wants to be in competition with you. It's my ego that is judgmental and that puts fear in me and all these things. And thank goodness this program is a daily program of ego deflation. I'll give you an example that's just come to mind. I get asked to speak a lot. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed because, you know, I, I love shouting about the solution that we have to our pain. And um, I remember a few months ago, I shared on a meeting about 300 people, huge meeting. And after it, lots of people were, were singing my praises, let's say. So my ego loves that. Oh, yeah. You know, oh. I was sitting at my desk the next day in the Rio and I was thinking about it. And, I, and it was almost like I was watching my thoughts. like I was watching my ego build get in this big head. Wow, you must be really good. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And I looked down at my desk and someone had written on my desk, you're an idiot. <laughs> and, and it was a God shot for me. It was a God. I started laughing at myself. I started laughing at the ridiculousness of my ego and how it wants to be in power. And what I understand today, can you give me two minutes when I've got two minutes left, please, Karen? I've not been. Thank you. Um, uh, I did, we want 
Yeah, we want more than two minutes. How's that for an ego pump? <laughs> I'm not cutting you off. You got me crying. You got me inspired. You just keep going, brother. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Karen. A design for living. So this design for living helps me to see that what I want does not matter. There's some peace right there. Because when what I want matters, I'm usually in collision with you. I'm usually in collision with me because I don't normally get what I, what I want doesn't matter. This design for living can, can enable me because I'm not saying I'm always there. Of course I'm not. But this design for living enables me to get to a point where I don't have to be right. There's a place of great peace where I don't have to be right. This design for living gets me to a place where I understand there never was any problems in my life. There was only me arguing with reality. There's my problem. When I argue with reality, I'm not accepting of what is. I'm trying to do the impossible. I want it to change. I want you to be different than you've got the power to be just so I can be comfortable. I'm trying to do the impossible. I'm trying to play God. And then I'm in pain. I've just thought about a bit in the big book where it says, it's relating to step three, but I believe this could relate to the whole program. It says, this is the how and why of it. This is the how and why of it. How? How? How do I flow through life without pain? I've got to quit playing God. And why? Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. When I'm playing God, I need to be right. When I'm playing God, I need to win the argument. When I'm playing God, I need you to be different. And it doesn't work because I'm trying to do the impossible. A design for living that works in rough going. A design for living that works in rough going. On the other page on 29, you know, it says, Further on, clear-cut directions are given showing how we have recovered, how we recovered. Clear-cut directions. They're going to show us how they recovered. And I think about my sponsor. He just showed me. He didn't tell me because he said to me, like I say to my sponsees, if you haven't got willingness, there's the door. You might as well walk out of it. Here you go. I can show you how you can recover. But as importantly, I can show you how you can stay recovered. I can show you how you never have to go back into hell because I've tasted hell. I remember those days when I wasn't eating for days at a time. I remember being a criminal, being a thief, being someone that I wasn't meant to be. So I feel pain so much. I remember those psychiatric units. I remember doing cold turkey off heroin many, many times and then doing it again and again. I remember my children crying. And today I'm sat here in my children's house, just taking them to school, made them breakfast. And I can't think of a, a, a better a better moment in my life right now in this moment when I'm when I'm speaking to you guys. Like I said before, in this moment right now, everything is perfect. There is nothing I need to be or become in this moment because this moment is God's moment. I'm not thinking about a future. I'm not thinking about what happened a minute ago. Being very present. The power of now like Eckhart Tolle talks about in his, in his amazing book, the power of now. And this is what step 10 does for me. You know, it says we entered the world of the spirit. So before I entered the world of the spirit, what world was I living in? 
the world of selfishness, the world of self-centeredness, the world of me. But now I can live in the world of the spirit. I can open the door, put my toe in, and I can get more and more in. And when I get dragged out by my ego and my self-will, I have a program that I feel it today. I'm very in tune with my body today. So when I think about my step 10 practice, when I'm, I'm watching for these things, watching for resentments, watching for fear, watching for selfishness, my body tells me today, I'm usually clenching my teeth or, or my body language is different or I'm frowning. And, and God helps me to see that. God helps me to see that. So step 10 helps me to live in the moment. You know, in the world of the spirit is in, in the moment. I'm able to take directions from God. I'm able to feel this conscious contact inside my soul. I know today what God is doing for me. Because I am absolutely convinced that my life run on my self-will can hardly be a success. Because going back to what I've already said, my life run on self-will, I need to be right. My life run on self-will, I, I, I need you to apologise. I need, I need, my life run on self-will. I'm blaming you for how I feel today. It's your fault I feel like this. But my life run on God's will. I go through the transformation, or I've been through the transformation. I continue to go through the transformation of rather than me saying, oh my goodness, why is this happening to me? I can say, this isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. What lesson can I learn from this? What, what growth? You know, you know and it, it, it's never at the time if I'm going through a difficult moment when I stop and I think, oh, amazing. You know, pain is the, the touchstone to all spiritual growth. I'm so happy I'm in pain. Of course not. But it's usually on reflection, maybe at the end of the night when I'm doing my step 11 review, and I can think, ah, I can see why I needed to go through that. But sometimes it might even be a year later when then God reveals to me why I needed to go through that moment. I just thought about the word patience. You know, patience is the ability to accept God's timing in life. And I have to fit myself into that timing so that when I remind myself I am no longer running the show, it's the difference between me trying to swim up a river and me letting myself just flow down on the current. I can see that clearly today. Like I say, do I always do right? Of course not. Of course not. But I embrace my flaws today. I understand it's through my brokenness that I can let this sunlight in. It's through my brokenness. You know, I, I'll give you an example of my brokenness. So this morning, I took a call off one of my sponsees. And he told me he had a really bad day yesterday. So automatically, I thought he mustn't be working his program. Automatically. So I responded as such, you know, because I'm always very straight up with the guys that I work with. And actually, his dad had become sick and was in hospital. That's my brokenness. I didn't pause. I didn't show empathy towards him. I just, I just jumped on the assumption that it's got to be... You, you know, and, and so I looked at that and I phoned him up and I apologise because I, I need to practice what I preach. I need my guys to I need to show them my humanness and my brokenness because this is what we are, aren't we? We, we, we are we are humans that are broken. 
but we become recovered in the areas of whatever our problem might be. And then this design for living. This is not an academic exercise. This is a spiritual program, a spiritual path that we walk together hand in hand, day by day. And I'm going to start wrapping it up. So we, in our turn, sought the same escape with the desperation of drowning men. The desperation. So what seemed a flimsy read? Out of utter desperation, that is the biggest gift. My brokenness is the biggest gift because hmm, if I hadn't launched myself with the same escape, well, take the word escape, I would never have escaped from that hell. I would never have escaped from that prison I built around myself on my own. Never would have escaped from that. So I, for me personally, I probably would be, would be dead today. Or at best, I would be alive, but not alive, if that makes sense. Walking through this life with my eyes shut. Like those guys I encountered the other day when I was in the sauna in, a, in the hotel that I go to after work. Thank you, Karen. And, 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 and please, I'm not judging these guys. I used to be the same, but I was in there meditating and they came in like they often do. Not the same guys, but just, just moaning about everything. Oh, have you seen this? It's happening in the world and this and this and this and this. It's painful. It's, it's very painful. I'm going through life just seeing the worst in it, not being able to embrace or be useful. I'm like the Florida businessman lolling in the sunshine, complaining about the sad state of the nation. It's their fault. I'm unhappy. It's this, it's this. I would have gone through life like that. So in my opinion, that's me going through life with my eyes shut. Not seeing, not seeing the beauty of the forest because I'm diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. So this design for living. For doing such a small amount, I get given so much in abundance today. All I have to do is live a spiritual life, uh, which, which, what does that look like for me? I start the day off in prayer, in meditation. I do some spiritual readings. I help some alcoholics and drug addicts. I take them through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous every morning. I pray throughout the day. I meditate throughout the day whenever I can. Obviously, I work. After lunch, I meditate. In my 10-minute breaks, I meditate. When someone says something challenging in my class, I pray in that moment. Thy will be done. Please, God, help me, help me be patient right now. I pause when agitating. I do these step 10 practice on the spot. I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. And I'm turning my attention to those I can help. And I constantly remind myself I'm no longer running this show. And I understand also that what I know is very little. I understand I'm just at the beginning on this path. Rarely have we seen a person fail who thoroughly follows our path. Am I thoroughly following it? To the best of my ability, I can say that I am today. Hopefully I will be tomorrow. Um, I think that's all I've got. Thank you so much, Karen, uh, for inviting me to share. I hope I've helped someone today. Thank you. Affirmative. You have helped me. Thank you. I'm, uh, you know, young, my country here in Israel is at war. And, um, you know, there are missile strikes, there are heinous acts of hate crimes, murders. 
And I'm just so happy to have gotten, you know, a spiritual RPG strike, you know, just a spiritual bomb out, blow out. Thank you. I'm just, I needed that. So I'm sure the other, you know, 14, 15 people we have on the line are also benefiting. And so will hundreds and thousands more who will get the recording. I'm going to, you know, be a little cheeky here, as you guys say over there, I believe. I want you to open the, the proverbial kimono a little bit, young, and talk to us about your spiritual experience. You know, okay, so you had the desperation of a drowning man. I get it. You wanted to die. You know, suicidal ideation would be the 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 light, you know, the light description of the of the phrase, right? Talk to me about the pivot. When did it shift? When did God start coming in? You know, get get a little personal with us if 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 you will. Great question. Great and question. if you don't want to, you'll just say pass, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd love to talk about that. So there's been many moments, but the first moment was definitely when I did my first step four and five. I just started to feel different. I I, I can't, you, you know, when I when I have these experiences, often I don't have the words for them. It's beyond anything I have in there, more a feeling. I, I just, I got a very strong feeling that it was all going to be okay. I started to see in, in, in a different way. I, it, the, the best words I can bring to mind, the, wor the world started slowly coming into colour. It was almost like there was a dimmer switch and someone just turned it up just a little bit. And, and I remember just after doing that step four and five, I, I noticed that I, I reacted differently in a couple of situations that was very different from me. I used to be a very angry person. I'd go to zero to lose my... You, you know, like that. And, and it, it was slightly changing. And when I acted in a way of, say, dishonesty, because I'd been dishonest all my life, it started to cause me pain. And that was just something I didn't understand. It was starting to become objectionable to me. Whereas before, I, I would lie without thinking about it. It was just, it was just how I was, even from a young, a young child's eyes. And then I don't think I've ever shared this apart from with my sponsor and someone very close. It, it doesn't even sound that big a deal, but it was, I believe it was my first actual spiritual experience. You know, this like I was walking down the street and the leaves were kind of like, it was the autumn in the UK and they were like red and, and brown and these beautiful colors. And I'm walking down it and it's almost just like it came to life. That's all I can say. And, and the leaves started dropping like almost like snowflakes. And I just got this. It, I felt like someone had, you know, like if I was a lamp, someone had put me in the socket and I felt, whoa. And I just phoned my sponsor. I'm like, oh, my. And he said, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's all he said. But it, it was just a huge moment. I, I don't know what it meant. I just know something happened to me in that moment. And. I've never thought about drinking or using since then. And I drunk and used drugs from the age of 11 to 43. Long, long time, the majority of my life. I've never even thought about it since then. 
That's like an absolute miracle, absolute miracle. Wow. You know, we so, like the big book says, you know, we're, we're people who might not normally mingle, you know, you and I and the rest of the, you know, the Motley crew here. Uh, no, we love you all. Um, but I so, you know, we just get each other because, you know, for, for the real addict, I know what you mean. And I've got my own snapshot of when, you know, I was in the French Alps and I was like, you know, after I came in these rooms, after having been in them, coming in through OA, coming back through <laughs> all the, you know, people addictions, which as my sponsor says, uh, sometimes are much harder than any actual substance, definable substance, you know, because we can't go off people, you know, the, the trick isn't to go up to Tibet and, you know, hang out in the Himalayas, right? We got to, we got to do the people thing. We work with our fellows, our humans, love and tolerance is our code, you know, that doesn't happen in, in the Himalayas in silence. At any rate, you know, we addicts get one another. I think about that moment in the French Alps. And I was like, I saw these mountains and trees and slopes. And I was like, wow, you know, the higher power I've been praying to is so small. Like the higher power, the real higher power is the one who created all this grandeur, all this majesty, like get with it, girl, you know, get with it. You know, just like your leaves. I remember those Alps, like, you know, this is not a drawing. This is, you know, an all powerful, loving creator created all this just for me. So, um, you know, any of you guys here on the line and um, kind of relate to that, that, that pivotal point, um, we addicts tend to learn from, from the stories. That's why we've got so many of them in the back of the big book after the first 164 pages, right? Um, we identify with people and some of you may not. And the big book talks about that too. Some people have, you know, a different kind of uh, spiritual experience of the educational variety. And I've certainly had that too, you know, bits and, and bobs, as they say in the UK, uh, of, of enlightenment. Or even just yesterday, I had a PTA meeting and I, I was told about all my child's issues. And I was like, yeah, okay, sounds like we need to go to occupational therapist. Yeah, okay, sounds like we need to, yeah, okay, sounds like I need to meet with the school. And I was like, wow. That's not the same person who walked in, broke it up into recovery. Like, I'm not offended. I'm not hurt. I'm not defensive. I'm not, you know, we changed. So whether you had that, you know, autumn leaves aha moment or my French Alps moment, or you had the educational variety, you know, stick around there. There are a whole bunch of us. And, and young, I'm going to ask you to introduce me to some of your friends here on WhatsApp so we can invite some of them on here. Um, but I digress. Let's see. And, and I think just and sorry, yeah. just to jump. Go ahead. In, yeah, I, please. I think it's really important as well to for for you know us to maybe if someone's new in to understand that it's not a one-time deal. Our our awakening or our experiences, you, you know, they they keep on happening. I keep on changing. My eyes just keep on changing. What I was last year, I'm I'm completely not complete. I I'm different in many ways. And the year before, I'm different in many ways. And and. You know, I surround myself with good teachers today. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them have many, many decades in, in the 12-step fellowships. And um, and they all shout about the same thing. They, 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 You know, I'm thinking about one friend, and I often quote him. He's 50 years clean and sober, right? 50 years, that's older than I am. 
I've still got two more years in my 40s. <laughs> and um, Me too. <laughs> yeah, yay. We're, we're twins. We're not. A great age. Great age. <laughs> um, so he, 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 he talks about, he says he's 75 years old and he says, young, I, I, I wake up and I relate to this today. He says, I wake up every single day like a five-year-old child looking at a rainbow for the first time. Oh, that's really powerful to me. A 75-year-old guy still looking at life like that. And this is what I think our 12 steps gives us. Because it's full of contradictions, isn't it, the big book? You know, I've got to surrender to win. What what was common sense becomes uncommon sense. Now, you know, this is my experience. On one hand, I have been given those childlike eyes of wonder. You know, it says deep down in every man, woman and child is the fundamental idea of God. When, when, I, when, I, when I observe, you know, my friend's young children, the ones who haven't been infected by school or media, all these things that, that kind of, in my opinion, blocks me off from the truth, blocks me off from peace and serenity and happiness. When I watch them, they are just in the flow of God. They're not, they're not worried about what they look like or what they sound like or what you think about me. They are just in the flow. So I believe in some ways we're getting back to this purity, these childlike eyes of wonder. But then on the other hand, we get this emotional maturity. I've grown up. I've stopped being the petulant child. I've stopped being King Baby. You know, I, I, I'm now a man, which I wasn't <laughs> until I got recovered. I wasn't. I was in a man's body acting yeah. like a child, acting like really? a child, but had no idea that I was acting like that. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh. No, go on, go on, come. You finish that, you finish. I totally relate to having grown up, you know, in in the workplace with people, (laughs) neighbors, you know, money owed, you know, like becoming really, you know, beaten up and immature. Okay, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna duke it out with you here. So you talk about, you wake up with the wonderment, like your, your sponsor who's got 50 years clean, bless him. God willing, we'll have more of them as a result of, of working these 12 steps and, and these podcasts and, and all that you do. Amen. I bet there's some newcomers on the line who can't relate to that. That sounds like a pipe dream to them. Or even some old timers like, I didn't, I didn't wake up. Uh, you know, I got a program that helps me, helps me get on my pink glasses. You know, I went, you know, took myself <laughs> and my mood to exercise, you know, because I got a program that has me armed with the facts about myself, my moods, my addiction, my thinking. But talk to me, because I bet there are a lot of people who are listening to you say, I wake up with the wonderman of a five-year-old, and they were either like, okay, well, you know, so that's, this, this, that's, ho- that's hopeless or like, eh, you know, right, yeah, no, likely, you know, so talk talk to that. Let's talk to those people. Okay. And I get that because often I've had guys when I've shared and a year later, they came up to me and said, when I was new and I hated you and I hated what you said and it used to pee me off and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I get that. I get that. So if if I'm new in, I probably haven't gone through this transformation and this this change. So I've still got my old eyes. Now, if I've been in and, and you say, you know, I am working a program and I'm not feeling that. Well, there's there's two things that come to mind. One is there's gaps in your program. But two, maybe there isn't. And maybe this is God's will for you right now to see how you're seeing for who knows. It's beyond my understanding. It's it's beyond my spiritual pay grade to understand why I go through this sometimes and this has happened and this has happened. But often, and this has been my experience, usually people have got gaps in their program. That's been my, that's only my experience, you know. So like if, 
you think if someone's working a thorough program, they should be waking up happy? No, I don't. I don't think that at all. It, it's just how I wake up. You know, I, I have um, friends around me who work a great program who don't wake up like that, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I know where, where my program stands to improve, you know, my 10, 11 and 12, my sponsorship, my, you know, getting into the big book. But would you like, would you take a deep dive to the person you're working with or the person who approaches you to look at, you know, where can they uh, get a little more progress, not perfection into their program? A hundred percent, hundred percent. It's usually in the areas of 10, 11, 12 that are lacking. You know, like, 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 like you've just said, I can always do more. I can always do more. But like you've also said, it's spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. I can see, I can see the perfection. I can see the bullseye and I can aim towards it. And I'll, I'll always fall short. And that's what you said before. I loved what you said about the, the big book being full of contradictions, right? You know, we have to thoroughly follow this program and yet it's progress, not perfection. We have to be tough on, you know, hard on ourselves, uh, easy on others, but like, uh, you know, still love and tolerance is our code, you know, full of those, full of those paradoxes. Um, it really is. And, and you, you know, it goes against everything I was taught to surrender, to give up. It goes against what I was taught. I was taught to fight harder and, 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 and just, you know, do this and try and work out the, you know, work it out. You know, I remember my parents work it out. How do I do this? Work it out. Now I can't work out the spiritual life. It's beyond yep. my understanding. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's you're no longer running the show. You never were exactly. in the first. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, obviously the first surrender to drugs and alcohol for me, but now it's a daily surrender of self. I have to die to self each day. Yeah, I've got to stop, I get that. I've got I mean, even this, yeah, even this very meeting, I'm like, do I go to my office and do it there? But I got to be honest and not clock in, or do I do it at home? I was like, stop. You know, when agitated, we pause. Yeah. Do you know what? What's what's the right thing to do? And I was like, no, stay at home, lose a little bit of money from work. You know, right? We don't worry about our financial situation. I could do that with my job. I'm not suggesting anyone here on the line do that. I have that flexibility. Slow down. Be present and, and and get this, you know, recovery thing going and you will benefit. But I I had to pause, you know, we addicts are on discipline. We let God discipline us. 100%. And I, what just came to mind, Karen, I was having breakfast with my daughter. She's 13 years old. My my son is 12 and he he is just all into school, all into his subjects, top of his class. My daughter, speaking to her. I'm saying, what what classes have you got today? She's like, English, maths. What do you like? Nothing. What's your favorite subject? I don't like any. Now, I wanted to step in and start saying, you need to do this. You're not going to get a job, you know, going into the fear, going into the fear. And and I managed, thank goodness, because imagine if I did that. You could do better than me. I tried to fix my son. (laughs) He was in a bad mood. I was like, oh, you need some therapy. You better take care of yourself. You might need, yeah, you won where I failed, but you've got, you know, you work a stronger pro, you know, I got what to aspire to. You know, I just, I just paused. I, I needed to. Now, now, you know, if I hadn't, I would have stepped on her toes. She would have retaliated and blah, blah. We're in two and throwing. You know, do I get that right all the time? Of course I don't. Luckily, thank, thankfully this morning I did. 
And while you're doing that, I was just thinking, you know, that, that thing with my daughter, I just thought about the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. I can't change, I can't make her like a subject, you, you know, but what I, I can I can show her a person who's a good father and who's loving and caring and patient with her and, and try and understand that she's 13 years old. Did I know what I was? No, I, I hated school. And, 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 and also, I guess this is where faith comes in. Faith has to run through me 24 hours a day, having faith that everything's going to be all right. What am I projecting that she's going to not get a job and be homeless and be a drug addict? It's going to be okay. Mm. Yeah. Daddy cast. <laughs> Bookmark that in your, in your, in your, in your heart. Okay. We have another question here. Someone is asking on behalf of their beloved sponsee. What do you say to someone who suffers from chronic fear and anxiety at his job? That's the one place that drives him to act out. <laughs> okay. So, Hmm, good question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, it, this is like the phone call I had with with one of my sponsees yesterday, who um, he suffers from mad anxiety and and worry, stress. He's always projecting into the future, and he's a lot less so since we've been we've gone through the work. But it still comes back into his life because it's something that he's always gone to. I guess. And firstly, I, 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 I try and say to him, what's your evidence of being stressed like this? But maybe better, what I said to him yesterday is, and which I, I, I think I, I share today, I said, what's your prayer and meditation life look like? And he told me in the morning and at night, and I, and I, and I said to him, I'm going to suggest to you that you get into doing it throughout the day. Whenever you feel your head projecting into the future, it's just about bringing it into this moment right now and being very mindful of the moment. Literally, okay, now I'm talking to Karen, I'm looking here, just so my head's, because the anxiety and stress, there never was any fear. It's Unless I'm in immediate danger, unless I'm in immediate danger, fear is, you know, it says the main problem of the alcoholic center is in our mind. And even then, you could be with God. I was down south. And uh, I'm not going to bring in outside issues, hopefully, although, you know, obviously, like anyone, I have my opinions. I was down south when the Hamas was, you know, raping, murdering, infiltrating Israel. I was 20 minute drive away from there. And I was just like, what does God want for me? Should I stay inside and lock the door? Should I get in my car and drive home further away from the war zone? I literally stopped and prayed. And that's not my natural personality. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an American expat living in Israel. Um, I used to be a little scared, a little bit anxious. Like, what's the right thing? Where does my higher power want me? You know, I had a person begging me to stay with them for free. I was like, well, I want to stay not in my house. Another person begging me to get out of there. I prayed. And then God had it that my, my big boy, who's away at school for yeshiva for higher Torah education, called me. And he's like, I'm on my way home. And I was like, okay, thank you, God. My big boy's coming home. I can't, I don't want to leave him alone during the war. I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer, ask that God be with me. And I'm going to go, you know, in, in Hebrew, we have the wayfarers prayer that we say anytime we drive over 20 kilometers. So I said my prayer and I went, I was like, that was weird. I should have been more anxious. You know, people, people are being, you know, murdered, raped, uh, shot at, 
bomb. Who was that? You know, and 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 that I'm like, hmm. That's these twelve steps. You know, that's that's. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, cool. twelve steps. And 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 you you know, like like we said, this is a design for living. This is often us. The dimmer switch is going on and on. Change, you know, doesn't happen overnight, right? You know, someone who's really anxious, you know, it's not just because you might hear someone say, oh, maybe do this and maybe all your anxiety is gone. But maybe a little bit by little bit, it goes away. Maybe my fear, little bit by little bit goes away. Because what's the opposite of fear? Faith. I'm either plugged into fear or I'm plugged into faith. And I often share this. I, I, I have a choice when I wake up every day. I can either plug into fear or I can plug into faith. If, if I put the TV on and watch the news, I'm plugging into fear. If I start my day on Facebook, I'm plugging into fear. Oh, my life looks rubbish. If I read newspapers, I am plugging into fear. So what do I do? I got rid of my TV seven years ago. I don't read newspapers. I don't start the day on Facebook. Amazing. Because those Amazing. things, don't they don't feed my soul. They don't feed my soul. And because I'm an alcoholic and drug addict, I've got that head that can just go into fear and projection when I'm feeding, like, not goodness into my soul. So I just, because God... And even when know, things are good and going good, the big book tells us, right? Even when things are honky-dory, we can mm, just... Yeah. What happened? I woke up in a great mood. I hugged my kid. And next thing you know, mm. I was screaming my head off at them. Like, what happened? Yeah. Well, that's mm. how it's like for the addict. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amazing, amazing. Um, we have a question here, Joseph O's question. People often ask me about step three being one and done. And I've answered it's a daily practice to renew my employment contract on page 63. Can you elaborate on your relationship with step three? Turning turning towards God. You know, mm-hmm. this I I think about I think I've already shared this, this you know, decision, I, I think about the word incision, I'm trying to cut away the self. Mm. And, and when I first got to step three, it, it, it's, I don't know how to turn to God, because I haven't got God in my life. I'm just going through with this course of action, because I'm desperate with all the desperation of a drowning man. And and as I go through the steps, when these experiences start to happen to me, I then know what it means to turn towards God. So when am I not turning towards God? I just feel it in my soul. If I'm feeling in any way not emotionally okay, it's usually when I'm in self-will and not God's will. And, and you know, I have to often pause to acknowledge God back in, you know, and that's me turning. When I wake up, you know, I, I think all these practices that we do is me turning towards God is me making a decision to turn away from my self-will when I'm praying I'm turning towards God when I'm even when I'm doing a spiritual reading the fact I'm doing it you know I'm very lucky in my workplace in the morning we all start off we sit in a circle we do some spiritual readings the fact we're doing them is us making a decision to get off our path of self-will and turn towards God's will but like Joseph said it's not it's not a one one thing is it to turn towards God. I have to constantly, constantly do the shift, constantly reach out for what is God's will for me? Sometimes I might know, sometimes I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And, yeah. and 
you know, I, 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 I think I've quoted this 30 times today. I understand what God is doing for me, what I cannot do for myself. So every day I'm, I'm literally making that decision. I think when I'm on my knees, that is me making that humble admission of, right, God, what are you going to do today? I hope that answers Amazing. the question. And it's not too late. If you haven't said it yet this morning, you could do it now while we're on the line. You could do it. Exactly. Get the you could do it after yeah. that and after that. And if you've done it before, you could do it again. You could do it again. And, and, and I'm saying that to myself. I'm saying that to young, you know. It's like, just because I woke up this morning, I said, God, what do you want from me? Well, you don't want me sleeping past 7, 10, you know, get out of bed. You usually wake up at six. Okay. And then it's next. Am I going to drive and park with the pango here? Or am I going to park in the lot and walk 10 minutes? God, what do you think? Anything, anything. He cares. And do you know what? Like, yeah. like it says in, in the book, we start, I start to get intuitive thoughts. Hmm. From I believe this power. They don't seem to come from me. When I'm struggling with, with something and I go into meditation, often it just I know what to do intuitively. We have one last great question here before you pray us out. We only have two minutes. I do have to, I do have to get off as well. Um, we have this great question from our beloved Everly, our noodle techie. Hey, yeah. Everly. We love her. She's so good and efficient and on top of things. Hey, Young, do you have a particular meditation practice that is helpful or beneficial for releasing the pain you were describing? Emotional pain that converts to physical pain as it's being released and let go of? So I, I do many different types of meditation. And I always say to, to my guys, particularly new people in, there's no right or wrong way to meditate. The, the, the important thing is, just that you're practicing it in some way, even if it's one minute a day. The consistency is the important thing. Like I talked about those intuitive thoughts. I didn't get those just after a week of meditating. It was probably after a couple of years, if I'm being very honest. Um, so I do, in the morning, I do some silent meditation. Um, in the afternoon, I always do um, a guided meditation, a guy called Muji. Who, who is who, who I find is, is is very very good um even I, I walk along the beach and I and I see that as a form of meditation when I'm staring out the window when I the sort of thing that I used to get told off for at school for daydreaming I see that as a form of meditation I'm not attaching myself to any thoughts that might come in my head I'm just almost sitting on the side of a a, a road and they're like traffic that's just flowing by I'm not the traffic I'm just watching it um, I hope that's helpful. I, I, I can't really be specific on what might help for that, but what, what I've found that the more I meditate, the more my fears seem to be alleviated. I seem to feel um, very calm from, from, from constant practice of meditation. I hope that's helpful. I'll jump, yeah, I'll jump in here. Um, I know the question was for young, but um, I love the insight timer app, you know, mm. some, sometimes I'm, um, I see that I, you know, I get into bed trying to get to bed at a healthy hour and I'm a little bit wound up and and not only do, do I have a nice meditation, but I also sleep really well. Or, you know, I'll take my daughter to dance. I'll put it on in the car. And and, and also I can get a little power nap, which is, is much needed with an intensive, you know, working mommy kind of day. But um, I love those meditations. You know, I'm, I'm Orthodox Jewish. So even I'll Google 
Orthodox Jews online. There are fabulous Kabbalistic meditations and Jewish meditations um, to connect. And, you know, I've, I've seen in searching, there's obviously Buddhist ones, there's Christian ones, there's, there's all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I love insight timer. Cause even if you need 10 minutes, you know, when I'm at work, sometimes I see that I'm agitated and I can't really leave. I can't take myself out and go sit cross-legged in the corner. So I'll, I'll, I'll actually listen to Young's audio, audio cast, audio anonymous. And, and, and that will, you know, I don't feel like I'm stealing from my employer because I'm I'm actually getting myself present so I could do my work. I'll, I'll do something a little more mindless, you know, like a spreadsheet or some administrative work. And I'll listen to a podcast and it will help me kind of reconnect, uh, re, you know, restart, restart um, in God's will. So um, with that, we are already one minute over. I will say a deep heartfelt thank you to Young. This was no words. What what better words than a a prayer from the bottom of our heart from our amazing guest speaker today, Young L from the UK? Will you pray us out? Love to. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm going to do the step free prayer. Mm. God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and do with me as Thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do Thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Amazing. Thank you. Have a beautiful day, and may you all spread your love, your light, and your recovery onwards. And for the newcomer still suffering, stick around. Keep coming back. Works. Standing still a moment Carving out this time Reflecting on the landscape of this life of mine Peaks too high to conquer Streams too wide to cross Troughs too deep to walk through without incurring loss Yet here I am still standing tall Despite the rough terrain, one like me survived the storms and walked through wind and rain. Still standing, I will fight the good fight, still searching for glimmers of